we are on. So I guess we got to kind of talk a little bit louder, maybe than uh, we would normally talk. Okay. Okay, make that work. How do you say your last name? Uh, Captain. The O is actually silent. Really? No. The American bastardization. Right. The German name. So I will tell everybody, I guess, that this is uh, this has been. How'd you say it again? Copen? Captain. Captain. <laughs> Fuck, I've already <laughs> fucked it up already. I get Copen all the time. Yeah. So uh, Ben is another source of sea paddler. He went down the Mississippi River. Um, started off behind us, right? The 22nd of July, you said? Yep. Yeah, so we started the 14th of July. And uh, man, you just wiped the floor with us, really. Uh, I don't know about that. I was chasing <laughs> yeah. you guys for about three weeks, man. I was. I know. I kept, get you. I kept saying, man, Ben's, Ben's going to catch us for sure. <laughs> And um, oh, man. you ended up doing what, 64 days? 64 days, yep. And that includes um, some time off the river as well? Yep, three zero days and uh, one the first day, I mean, two miles. Right. Not a whole lot, but. So actually 61 days on the river then? Or? Yeah, 61 days on the river. Yeah. And that's what uh, I did 87 days. I think Eric and, and Harry did. Um, 89 days because I stayed two extra days off the river mm-hmm. than they did. So, and then Willie, I'm not sure he finished up the Sunday before we finished on that Friday. So, I'm not sure exactly how many zero days he had and what have you. I haven't talked to him and figured all oh, his timeline out. But so he was probably on there, I don't know, 84 days maybe or something like that. But mm-hmm. with his timeline, he had to get back and do some stuff. So, of course, split up from us. But um, so tell me again how you got hooked up with the Mississippi River. So, uh, you know, I'd been doing some kayaking when I was younger. Uh, had a family cabin up in northern Wisconsin where I grew up. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. <clears throat> so Wisconsin. Um, so where you're at in Wisconsin, and then uh, you said that. Grew up Is in... Is it close to the river? No. No, I yeah. actually grew up in suburb of Milwaukee, um, kind of half an hour west of... Actually, probably about 20 minutes west of downtown. Um, but like most people, most families in Wisconsin, there's you know, some family member that has a cabin up north. And so every summer we'd spend a week up there. And uh, probably when I was in high school, uh, it was my aunt that owned the cabin. Uh, she bought a couple kayaks and you know, I'd spend a lot of my time out on the lake, uh, paddling around. And uh, when I got into college, I bought myself a kayak, tried to take it out, uh, but wasn't able to use it as much as I'd like to. And then I moved down to Florida and I was just working so much down there that I wasn't able to use it as much as I would like to. Um, but when quarantine happened, uh, I started working from home. And at that point in time, I was living in an apartment about 30 feet from the, the lake that I was living on. And uh, so I would cut out of work five thirty, six o'clock. And I'd spend two hours every night on the water. And yeah, that April, um, I just kind of fell in love with being on the water again. And uh, I always kind of had this mentality of like, I want to go do some kind of long trip, whether it's the Appalachian Trail or whatever it is. Uh, but as I was out there paddling one day, I was like, is there some kind of equivalent for you know, kayaking? Yeah. And I was like, the biggest body of water that I could think of that's like, you know, straight line is Mississippi River. Obviously not a straight line, not a lot of curves, but um, so I looked it up and there's actually a bunch of people that have done it. And there's a whole Facebook page and everything. I actually came across this one, uh, uh, blog that this older couple had done um, 
where they talked about their trip. They, you know, had done a bunch of other hikes and stuff in the uh, United States, in Europe, things like that. Right. And so they had this really detailed page about kind of how the river went for them. And, you know, the, the idea kind of took hold and over the next 12 months. I, you know, started packing together some materials and, and gathering some gear. And when the stars aligned and I decided to leave my job, uh, the river was like the next thing on my mind. Yeah. I was so ready to go. Right on. So hold on for a second, man. I'm, I'm going to grab one thing. I think I'll make this uh, the audio better. All right. Damn heaters on in there. That's probably not good. <laughs> Wasting gas. I didn't realize I had it set to come on. But I think if I put this up on this table, it'll catch the uh, audio better. Okay. It's like right there at our mouth level. And I forgot, or before I forget, ah. you're supposed to actually put this in your vehicle. Okay. So later on tonight, I guess, put it on your, on your rear view mirror. Will do. Appreciate it. So, yeah, so you, you decided to do the Mississippi River. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about it. So your dad was kind of your support crew going down. Yep. One thing we haven't talked about yet, and we can talk about your dad, you know, going down the river with you and how that experience was and if that was a bonding or if, a, if it made, you know, <laughs> your relationship worse, <laughs> worse maybe. But um, what kind of gear did you go down with? So you had... Two different kayaks, yep. and then what, what, what other stuff did you have going down with you? Um, so I actually kind of had three different kind of setups. Um, it was broken up really by Minneapolis and St. Louis. Right. Uh, north of Minneapolis, I had the 10-foot kayak. Uh, traveled around with just like a, a backpack, uh, you know, full of whatever I needed for that day. So, you know, a little bit of food, some water. Uh, didn't how, have how any much, of my camping gear. How much did you try and keep in the bank? You know, we tried to do like five to seven days worth of food at a time. Is that about what you kept on board? Or? No. I, in the backpack, I'd keep whatever the day was because I knew each each night I was going to get pulled out. My dad was going to you know, oh, grab right. me yeah, and yeah. we are going to stay somewhere else. So I was really just you know floating down the river with whatever I needed for the day. Okay. Uh, and then from Minneapolis down to St. Louis, I uh, was in the 14-foot kayak, you know, bigger water, bigger boat, just felt safer. Um, I also had a you know, smaller uh, hole so it would... If there was waves or anything, it wasn't gonna you know, take too much uh, water. And you had a skirt on both of these, or I had a skirt for the 14 foot. I didn't have a skirt for the 10 foot, okay. but I mean, the water was so low up to Minneapolis that I wasn't really worried about any of that. Yeah. Um, but then from Minneapolis to St. Louis, again, I pretty much. I mean, just, besides the lakes, I mean the lakes. Yeah. That's true. I I lucked yeah. out on Winnie though, man. I <clears throat> it was dead calm when I got to the, got out to the center. Winnie, kind of same, yeah. <laughs> We, we lucked yeah. out on all the lakes. Every single one of them was like glass. Yeah. I Cass, to me, oh, man. I had, uh, when I was crossing Lake Cass, this wind coming from right to left, and it was just, it was fighting me the whole way. Yeah. That was, I think, like my first big day. I went from Bemidji all the way across Cass, and I was beat by the time I got to the other shore. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I kind of broke into your store <laughs> with all that. But. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. When it, when, uh, Lake Winnie, I guess, was, you know, once we got, we, we went around the... Uh, 
I don't know what fucking side it is. South side, east side, west side, north yeah. side. I don't know, but south. We we Probably skirted short. the banks, and we probably could have shot right across. I mean, that day was very calm for us. Um, looking back on it, I wish we would have gone across, but we were so new to this thing, so early into it, we were all scared to death right. of any water. You know, much yeah. less going across the middle of this giant lake that everybody's warned you about. You know, b- before you got there. But anyway, we, we circumvented it and we got all the way around the side. And then the very last little stretch that we did, we had some killer headwinds that we Ooh. really had to fight um, yeah. before we came out into this little cove and it kind of ended up going into this place called Tamarack Lodge yep. or something yep. where we stayed. So, nice. Yeah, that was the only headwind we had really okay. on any of the lakes. It was uh, the, the last part of Lake Winnie. Okay. Yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, that's way different than us because, you know, we we had to carry five to seven days worth of water and food. At all and times, yeah. All this extra weight at all times. So you had to have somebody there every night to kind of resupply you and, and have food ready for you. That Yeah, I didn't have to carry. Every bit of weight. Man, is, yeah, I didn't have to big. pack my uh, you know, tent and none of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, really had like maybe three liters of water on me at any given time. Right. So I didn't have to, you know, pack too much of that. It was, I was floating pretty light all the way up to St. Louis. And then uh, St. Louis, I packed everything in the boat, everything that I would need. And uh, that was one of the, it's probably like the sketchiest part of my trip was going through Port of St. Louis with the heaviest boat that I had been into that point. I was riding a lot lower, probably a couple inches lower than I was used to riding um, at that point. And plus, you don't have you know the hole and stuff to, to load stuff in, right? So you got to strap it like to the top of the kayak. Uh, actually, the I had the the front, so the front is where I put a couple gallons of water. I traveled with four gallons of water on me. Uh, I put two up, up, up front. I put my clothes and just some like the entertainment stuff. I never really broke into it, but I had like books. I had um, you know, some puzzles, a, a journal if I wanted to. I never really busted open that bag at all, but right. um, that was up front, and then. In the back compartment, I had the other two gallons of water. I had my tent, uh, my sleeping pad, and uh, what else did I have back there? My backpack that had all the food in it. Yeah. And then on top of it, I put, uh, I think the only thing I had left was my little camping stool. So I traveled pretty pretty light. I didn't have too much sitting on the outside of the kayak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was... That first day and going through Port of St. Louis, you know, it was narrower than probably should have been. I mean, the, the waves were just bouncing around. I don't know what it was like when you were in there, but I was there on a Monday morning. Well, yeah, like traffic. I said, we, we portaged around pretty much all of St. Louis. All of St. Louis, so we didn't get to go through any of that stuff. Because we, we'd heard your stories. I think um, <laughs> I think you had told Willie or you told somebody that yeah, it was pretty Willie. narrow going through there. I was and, like, dude, that's... Uh, yeah, we just skipped it all together, so fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that wasn't the plan, but once we got there and, and the supporter that we had there in St. Louis just said, "Hey, we can take you all the way around all this stuff," and we're like, "Yes, that sounds great." Yeah, dude, that was like I said, I I had never felt as small in the river as I did in Port of St. Louis. Wow, it was all the things that were like where the boats dock and where they're coming up to the you know grain mills and everything. It was everything just felt so big, and I was so tiny. Yeah, and I was riding low. These waves were huge. I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. Right. So I just paddled as hard as I could, just like, get me out of the Port of St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a big change to go, you know, add four feet to your boat and add, add all that weight. And then it's a diff- different vessel just to begin with. So it's it's going to maneuver differently. And-, and I think one of the things, too, is uh, kind of lower Mississippi in general, uh, once you hit Missouri River and it stopped being controlled by the, uh, the locks and dams, it felt different. Like, it, the river 
don't know, it kind of felt like it had a mind of its own. Right. It was it moved the boat different. It wasn't like calm water that was restricted by whatever lock was in front of you. It was it was flown to the ocean. Yeah. And you know, just paddling there and trying to figure out, all right, now it's pushing me this way, and now it's pushing me this way, and trying to just, you know, roll with those punches as the river sent them. And, and that's exactly what you got to do, right? I mean, <laughs> you really, literally go with the flow. Yep. I mean, you've got to go, you know, it's amazing when you go down this river how much control we've tried to, to, to do <laughs> right. on this river. You know, from the riffraff to the, to the locking dams, to the regular dams, to the wing dams. We've just tried so much to control this river, and it, it, it can't be controlled. Yeah, it's going to do what it wants. It's going to do what that's it why wants. That's like, why, I don't know how many uh, times you were out there and you saw the Coast Guard with their you know, barges out there, and they had the uh, you know, construction equipment like repairing the riprap or you know, placing yeah. new you know, stone along the bank. Oh, yeah. They're fighting a losing battle, mm-hmm. but they're doing it just to try to control this thing, and it's, <laughs> it's wild, man. Yeah. And I, I think I had that same problem when I first started out. I, I tried to control it a little bit as well. Yeah. And um, literally about <clears throat> a third of the way down, I just finally decided, go with the flow. I mean, that, that should be the word of every single day when you're going down that river. It's just yep. don't try and fight it. Just go with, the, you know, with what the river is giving you that day, whether it be the wind, the current, uh, the mist, the fog, the boat traffic. I think that's one of the things that I picked up early on the trip that kind of like kinda really stuck with me. Because I, I don't know, up to that point in life, like I'm, I love to plan things out. I love to have a plan on what's going on. And I don't know, like just knowing that the wind could fuck you up, the it could kind of ruin how it's going. There was one day in northern Minnesota where I kept on, it was one of the, like the windier parts of the river. I felt like every turn that I made, the wind was always coming straight at my face. Yeah. Like I would head south, I'd do a 180 degree turn, I'd head north and it was still in my face. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I know. I got, and then I just like stopped in the river one time and I was just like, dude, like why am I getting upset about this? Just, I don't need to be. It's, right. it is what's going to be. I'm going to be out here paddling regardless of whatever's happening to me. I'm just going to go out here and enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, after yeah. that, it, it was easier. Yeah. I had to tell myself that same thing a few times to, to just, relax don't think about it don't think about what's you know 20 miles down the river just think about what you're doing right now and that's really all you can do and that's really all you can do in life really is live for today and uh, you can't control the future you can't control what uh, happened behind you you just got to keep moving on in in the current moment and um and i found myself doing that sometimes early on was i was thinking too far ahead or i was thinking about something uh, but I should have been thinking about I should have been thinking about this damn river and there was a bunch of times where you you kind of get in some trouble because you're not paying attention because your your mind is elsewhere yep. instead of being in the moment and uh, really a dangerous thing to do out there on the river especially yeah. once like you said you get down past St. Louis and you started having all this traffic Bigger traffic uh, major yeah. traffic um, yeah you really have to focus on what you're doing at the moment did you ever come across any uh, whirlpools Oh, the whirlpools are my worst part of the whole river. I hate, <laughs> I hated the whirlpools. They scared the living crap out of me. And early on, they, they didn't you know really bother me too much. But uh, Willie had a big phobia of the whirlpools. And, and <laughs> yeah, the when I games. talked to him, he was that's yeah, he was uh, you know he watched way too many YouTube videos <laughs> and and uh, you know these boats getting uh, taken underwater, you know, in these whirlpools and stuff. And we were like, man, just don't just don't look at them. If you don't look at them. Um, cause it seems like when you look at something, 
Eric had this this philosophy on the rivers: don't don't look at the rock, because when you when you're steering and, and focusing on something, you're gonna ride right into yep, it. Yep, absolutely. Um, so focus on where you want to go and not you know what what you don't want to go into. So mm-hmm. we we told Willie just don't look at the don't look at the rock. Pop up too. Sometimes they weren't just there. I mean, you're, yeah. you're going. You think you're going on the right path that, that you need to go you. on. All, all of a sudden, this big whirlpool just opens up, and there's a little hole, and you know, an eye in the middle of it, like a hurricane type thing. And you would get into it, and it would immediately just throw you to the right or throw you to the left, or sometimes spin you in a full circle. <laughs> sometimes you couldn't paddle out of it. I mean, it took you 50 strokes just to to get out of the vortex, you mm-hmm. know, of, of the whirlpool. And then a couple times. Um, it would actually suck, you know, one side of my boat down into really? the water, and I took water on oh, dang. over the top of the canoe a couple times, and I would have to actually push my hand on the other side of the canoe to Balance. kind of correct myself oh, no. and get back out of the suck, and then you know bail some water out of the boat or pull over to the side sometimes. But damn. But yeah, I had one particular time. Um, we had just passed. Uh, where is Helena? Is that Arkansas? Arkansas. Yep. South we had Memphis. just passed Hel. Just. Uh, come through Helena. We just got underneath the bridge. Eric and I were together. Okay. Harry was way up. Willie was already gone. We had just gone underneath the bridge and when we go underneath the bridge there was a whole bunch of traffic going on on the right hand side. There was a bar just lined up all the way down the, the oh, shoreline. Damn. There was a bunch of boats coming back and forth across the river. You know, tugboats. Yep. Yep. We decided uh, to cross the river at that point. We were on the right. We decided to go over to the left to the red side. There was a bunch of little wing dam uh, sections over there, a bunch of you know coves that you could dive into. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go across, and the very first thing was we didn't realize there was a, a barge, you know, coming upriver, you know, pretty far out ahead of us. Until we started, we got about halfway across the river, and we're like, "Holy fuck, that barge is coming this direction." We got to go. <laughs> so yeah, we had to kind of cut, you know, a, a direct line to the to the left side instead of cutting the. Diagonal like we were doing initially, mm-hmm. and we started paddling really hard to get out of the way of this barge. So that barge goes by, causes you know some pretty good uh, turbulence going on. Chop, yep. Um, it got really, really choppy. It got really uh, nerve wracking, and I mean, my whole body was just shaking. I was, my nerves were going. For some reason, that particular barge had just kicked up a whole bunch of churn. Yep. And it was, it was not fun. And the waves were coming every which way. Was that on a curve to him, I'm guessing? Yeah. Yeah. That's the and, worst situation. Um, yeah. So we go over, and I, I had to pull out. I mean, I told Eric, I said, I got to pull out, man. I got to I got to recompose myself. I got to take a break. I'm shaking like crazy because it was just kind of a sketchy situation that we're in. So we pull off into this wing dam area, you know, a little yep. slice dam on each side. I said, okay, I'm good to go. You know, we took had a little snack or whatever, used the bathroom. We get back in the boats, and I said, okay, I'm ready to go. So we start pulling out around this wing dam uh, to come back out into the into the right outside the, the channel, which we thought was right outside the channel, but actually the shoreline had become the red the red side. You know, okay. there was no cones anymore. There was just shoreline was yep. red. Uh, so we didn't realize we were actually in the zone in the red zone inside the channel, I guess. So we come out out of this wing dam, and, and, and you know, you go wide at that wing dam, so you miss all those big whirlpools. Yep. So I went wide, 
come around the corner, we're coming up on a corner and there's a barge, a huge barge coming around the other side. It was probably uh, four by five, maybe, I guess. Okay. And, and it was one of those real high barges, like the, yep. it wasn't loaded down real, real yep. heavy. It was, you know, tall. Yep. So we come around, I'm in the canoe here, the barge is coming this direction. All these little wing dam whirlpools are going on right here. Plus, there's some riprap. There's some rock over here. So, I'm coming around. I'm worried about these whirlpools, you know, flipping me one direction way, or the yeah. other. I swear the barge, Eric says it wasn't that close. I keep telling people it was about 12 feet away from us. He oh, says, no, nah, it, wasn't, it wasn't that close to us. I said, man, I'm pretty sure where that electrical box is over there. That's about how close the barge was okay. going 30 yards? around us. Yeah. So I'm coming this way. There's rocks on this side. That barge is on this side. So I'm literally between a rock and a hard <laughs> place type thing. Plus I got these whirlpools going on. So I come down this thing. I, I, I somehow angled my canoe sideways. So I'm kind of riding a drift Damn. sideways. Had my my bow pointed away from this barge. Because yep. I didn't want one of those whirlpools to all of a sudden just shoot whip me you. this yeah. way and shoot me into the barge. Because I swear I was super close to this fucking thing. Um, scariest part of the entire trip was being in between those rocks and that barge i couldn't go to the left because i would go into the rocks i yeah, couldn't go to the right hit the barge. i'm hitting the barge i had to keep this nice straight line yeah eric's behind me knuckle <laughs> white knuckling it my teeth are grinding i'm fucking nervous as hell my whole body's shaking my legs are shaking and I then after we after the barge passes now we're on this turn super turbulence and chop for the next 30 minutes after that oh, so yeah. scariest yeah. part of my entire trip right after helena um arkansas i guess it was arkansas yeah man so that one and th there was another one and i'll talk about the other one maybe later on but there was another incident where uh, it was pretty close call I, I thought i was going to get sucked into the into the back of a, of a push boat in, into the Blades, engine or whatever yeah. but <laughs> Dang! What was your scariest moment out there? If you, um, had, if you had one, it might have been uh, uh, Port of St. Louis. It was the some of the choppiest water I had. It was, it was where I felt like the least comfortable. Um, right. The but new boat, the weight, the new boat, the weight, the you know, narrow, increased flow, traffic, all, all that stuff. Um, but there was a couple times coming around some of those corners. Um, where when you would get a headwind and then a, a big boat that's pushing, you know, four by five, five by five, something like that, um, coming in the other direction. So he's kicking up a bunch of waves, the wind's kicking up waves, and then you're following around these wing dams. Yeah. Um, the one, there was one time, I don't remember where I was, must've been Mississippi, Tennessee South, somewhere there. Uh, I turned a corner and there was this, it was kind of a straightaway. Um, there was a big bridge across the that's about all I remember. Um, but as I turned this corner, um, it was the barge, it was the wind, it was the wing dams. All of it just created this huge chop that just started sending, I was actually had the video of it, uh, just started sending waves into my boat and mm. it started taking them and taking them. And I ended up setting my phone down. I thought I had paused the recording, but I ended up recording for like nine minutes as I paddled my way to like the nearest sandbar. Oh, yeah. And I'm just cursing, <laughs> uh, just yelling at the waves. And I finally get out there. I, you know, or get to the sandbar. I uh, bilge out my my kayak. I get my um, 
a spray skirt on and everything, and I head back out to the river. And it's still kind of choppy. It's got the headwind and, and the residuals from the, the barge I was heading up, up river. Um, but just ha- something about having the spray skirt on just made me feel a little bit more connected to the boat. and made me feel like, I think that day I posted uh, on Facebook, like, just the comfort in knowing that once I have that spray skirt on, everything outside the boat is just external. And it just yeah. washes over me. Hmm. And that was one of, like, the big moments for me on the, the lower part of the river. It was just kind of that realization that there's a lot of external shit going on and sometimes you just got to let it like roll off, roll off you. Yeah. And that's something that with my like job that I had left, uh, I did a, I struggled with that. I took a lot, not necessarily personally, but I, you know, I, I carried a lot of that. And so kind of knowing to just let some of it roll off was definitely helpful. So again, I just like, that's part of the river that I loved that like, you don't always hear about, but it's the lessons that the river teaches you. Yeah. That you can take to the rest of life. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so this was the bit, the biggest adventure you've done so far in your life? I mean, um, you're only, you're what, 29, right? Yeah, 29. Uh, yeah, probably that's the longest. Uh, definitely the most, like, dedication had to go to it. Uh, I've taken a couple, you know, road trips before in the past. Uh, in college, freshman year. After freshman year, I did a 17-day road trip. And then after senior year... I did a, a 20 day road trip or something. So I had, you know, gone out to, you know, on my own and, and done some stuff. Uh, I had also done between sophomore and junior year, uh, semester abroad with some other kids that were at my university. And uh, I did a week by myself uh, out in, I went to China. So I did okay. uh, six Very days cool. in Beijing and then four days in Hiroshima nice. uh, by myself. So I learned uh, a lot there too. and. Yeah, I've done quite a few travels, but this was probably my biggest trip, like biggest endeavor, biggest dedication to something. Right. So what's on the uh, what's on the agenda now? I know right now you're traveling around. Yep. In your truck, you sleep in your truck. Yep. Last two months, been living in the truck. Yeah. Um, started in Arizona, went up, went down, went over, coming back down again. Um, I'm hoping. And it's and mainly hiking, right? That you've been doing. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of hiking. That's kind of my main mode right in, I mean you told me earlier you veteran. haven't gotten the water until yesterday right yep yeah. actually today this morning was the uh, uh, first time yeah. I got back in the water since the river um, again just feeling like a fool for the first five minutes not knowing how to paddle yeah but uh, after that just got in the groove and had a great time but yeah hiking is mostly what I've been doing lately um, definitely a big transition from using only your arms and not really your legs to using mostly your legs and not yeah. your arms um but yeah, I've been doing that for the last couple months. Hit up a bunch of uh, national parks. Uh, I've been going around uh, trying to do state high points as well. I've gotten, I think, 21 to this point. What are you, what are you saying now? State, state high points. So it's the that? highest elevation Okay. In, in any state. And so, yeah, I've gotten about 21 working on it. Hmm. Um, so, it, I don't know, it takes you to some more remote locations in states and places that you necessarily wouldn't have gone if you're just taking a road trip through someplace so yeah it's fun to do that uh but yeah living in the truck been uh <clears throat> been at it for about two months since i left the river so what's the highest elevation so far that you've been to it might be uh mount humphrey in arizona i think it's like 1260 12 6, okay. that's the one up close to flagstaff right flagstaff yeah yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I tried uh, tried doing Mount Bora up in Idaho. Uh, it's a four mile hike to the peak, 5,300 feet of elevation gain wow. over four miles. So it was yeah, incredibly lot. steep. Um, missed it by about a week. Uh, there was a snowstorm that came through about a week before I got there and the last three quarters of a mile was just covered in snow and I had to turn back. So, hmm. so do you like hiking more or, or kayak? Uh, I would say hiking more. Um, I don't know. I got a thing with water. One of my biggest fears is open water. Oh, me <laughs> so, too. Trust me, yeah. I don't know about that, but I, I love to do in the Mississippi River. I would totally do it again. Um, I just think there's more opportunities out there to go hiking, it yeah. feels like. It's more set up. I don't know. But I'm, then again, I haven't necessarily looked as much into you know, paddle trips. I didn't know about the Yukon trip. Um, yeah. Again, there's rivers everywhere. So Yeah. I mean, I, I guess just, a lot of people do the Missouri, I guess, is, yep. is the other one. But um, MR340. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to do a long expedition like that again. I mean, we, we said numerous times on the river. At least Eric and I did that. Uh, a thousand miles would have been enough. enough. <laughs> yeah. Once we hit that thousand mile point, we're like, ah, this is probably good enough. Now it's just repetitive. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was enough to, to give you a challenge and to say you've done something epic. But uh, yeah. after that, it's just just more river. You know. Yep. But I say that. I mean, really. Every damn day on that river, man, was something, was something new. It was something different. You, you Absolutely. thought it was just going to be wet and water and it was going to all look the same. But every damn day you had a different different scenery, whether it be wildlife, whether it be a town, whether it be a different a cool-looking bridge, uh, the shoreline change, you know, the bluffs of Iowa. Um, yeah. Every damn day. And, you, know, you know, of course, going from, you know, this wide to, <laughs> to a couple wow, miles wide. But... Um, Every day had a new adventure, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely one of the things I loved about the river is how much its character changed from headwaters all the way down. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was always changing. Yeah. But what's really cool about it, you know, is, is you start up there, you know, where it's 20 inches across or whatever. <laughs> so you have, I mean, really, you have the entire freaking state of Minnesota to, to acclimate to this river and, yeah. and learn how to navigate the river and the river teaches you on the way down you know yep. so you start as a novice up there at the top and uh, by the time you're through minnesota i think you're pretty much you're ready not an expert but you're you're pretty expert in in navigating your vessel um but then you you run into that new problem you know from minnesota down where you got the locks and you got more traffic and yep. you're um, always learning <laughs> yeah so you're always learning man it's it's the river teaches you all the way down but you need those real small areas up top to kind of wet your whistle and, and get your bearings about you and, and this is uh, how we're going to operate in get, the get your muscles <laughs> ready to, to paddle down the river you know yep for sure so i'm glad it was so kind of feeble up top because if you were to start it off as big as it is you know <laughs> yeah. st louis i mean i almost quit the river about 30 times if i'm being honest really i mean it was a lot of days i was like especially when my hands started really bothering me you know oh I, yeah i got I don't remember where I was when it when my this hand started really started bothering me. It went numb, like completely numb. Like all three of these fingers were Holy numb crap. all the time. The hand was numb, and um, I knew it was a carpal tunnel problem. You know, yep. and um, there was a time there where I thought I was going to have to get off the river. I said, I, I just don't think I can do it. Damn. And I just acclimated to it and, and pushed through it and told my mind to forget about it. I guess, but but yeah, it was pretty much numb like half of the the, the, the second half of the trip. This Shit. hand was completely numb, and the fingers, wild. you know, we've discussed it earlier today, that couldn't close my fingers around a paddle for about the first hour of the oh, day. Yeah. 
trigger finger um, trigger finger yeah I would uh, I would just roll over in my tent at night you know you you kind of push off the the floor or whatever to kind of roll yourself over and it would kill I mean my hands would just be on fire just yeah. if I moved in the wrong way or if I woke up in the middle of the night to even to scratch my head you know my fingers hurt like crazy I mean it yeah. stung it was almost like I had stress fractures in my in my fingers Dang. is what it felt like I gotta pee can I go yeah absolutely sorry about that <laughs> That's a first, I guess. We've done the entire um, 32 minutes looking at the fucking ground. Isn't that great? <laughs> That's what happens when you set up a, a podcast real quickly. But uh, Ben had to go pee, by the way. So he's in the bathroom. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, the setup that we were supposed to be looking at for the last uh, 20-something minutes. But what can you do, you know? Enjoy the audio. You don't always have to watch, and a lot of people don't even watch to begin with. Right, Leah? Leah's been out here the whole time with us. You've missed uh, you missed Leah. But we're out here at uh, Palmetto Shores RV Resort up in Summerlin. I think it's where the hell are we? Summerton, Summerlin. A little south of Florence, east of Sumter, north of Santee. I'll give you all the directions you want. Yeah, I've already fucked this whole podcast up. I mean, I didn't even realize it, but. I set the camera up, and you know, I've got my little switcher thing here that, that does all the stuff. So I had it sitting on this thing the whole time, kind of kind of just looking at the looking at the ground or whatever. I forgot to I forgot to switch it to this camera showing us. So the whole fucking thirty minutes worth is looking at the ground. So he'll hear us, but you won't see us. Yeah. Oh, that's right. What can you do? But yeah. Uh, yeah, my hands. Yeah, it was the middle two fingers on my right hand. They went first, and then it was pretty much every finger on my left hand. Yeah. Kind of came for the last couple weeks. And that faded first and took the middle finger on the right hand. About a yeah. month, month and a half to get back to normal. That was rough. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm uh, you know, we, we ended on October 15th. So I don't know what that is now. It's a month and a half. month and a half or so, yeah. yeah. So same thing, mine are about 90% better. <sighs> Um, took me forever. Like we were discussing earlier, I couldn't even open you know, a pill bottle. I couldn't open a jar. Um, hell, I put some lotion on my hands one day and I tried to get out of, get out of the bathroom and I couldn't even, I couldn't even open the bathroom door because my hands were a little greasy from the oil, but then I couldn't just, also I couldn't just grip the, the doorknob either. Just stupid shit, man. Yeah. It was horrible. And one of the things I noticed is, uh, just having the two different kayaks, uh, the blue one has a, you know, bigger hole and the orange one a little bit smaller tighter 
not as uh, right, so wide armed with more like a sea kayak type yeah. style or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Not quite seaworthy, but you know, narrower, tighter. I was it hugged me a lot more. <clears throat> um, but also was the other one like, the, the ten footer was it more stable? Did you feel more stable? A lot more stable, yeah. yeah. Um, but it my stroke needed to be different for each boat. And uh, so you had the same paddle for each boat. I had the same paddle. Yeah. So it took me probably what it was nineteen days to get through Minneapolis for me. Um, probably about day thirteen, I had figured out like a good stroke where I wasn't, you know, constantly thinking about all right, is are my hands in the right spot? Am I reaching enough? Am I turning more? Like, yeah. To figure out how to paddle correctly uh, so that I'm you know not ending up with like a muscle that's dead at the end of the day. Right. Uh, it took me a while to get that done, and then Minneapolis South. It was another three days before I figured out how to paddle with the different boat because I'm sitting at a different angle. I, you know, have more you know, space next to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to go as high. It was, it was kind of weird just like trying to figure out a new stroke with a different oh, boat. I, I bet. I'm sure. Yeah, we went through three three different paddles, so we had <laughs> right. we had to we had to learn how to paddle with a new paddle every goddamn time. So, oh man. The uh, Willie broke his paddle first, and then Eric broke his paddle, and then I broke my paddle eventually. Uh, Harry Nether broke his. Um, he ended up losing it, but he he didn't um, he didn't break it. But um, so none of the four you ended up with the same with that paddle that you started with. What's that now? None of the four you ended up with the paddle that you started with. No. <laughs> oh, man. No. So, you know, three of us broke our paddle. So w- Willie broke his first. Yep. We were um, Iowa. We were still we were still right outside Minneapolis because um, okay. he ended up getting a new paddle from the from the Mall of America actually. Gotcha. At Eddie Bauer there, so Eagle Museum in that town. Excuse me. You guys wait at the Eagle Museum, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that was, but yeah. So okay. we we had a supporter. We had just left Minneapolis. Uh, we stayed there, stayed the night there. We, we had a supporter, another supporter there that we didn't use. So we left there. Uh, Willie broke his paddle. Uh, we ended up pulling off the river. He and I pulled off. Fuck, what town was it? Red Wing? Is that something? Is yeah, that Red Wing was up there. Is that the close to Minneapolis? Hastings, Red Wing, Prescott. Yes, I think we were close to Red Wing, somewhere around there. We hadn't hit Pepin yet. Okay, yep. And uh, he ended up calling this this guy, and the guy was like, yeah, well, I, I can be there in, in a few minutes. I can pick you up and take you somewhere to get a new paddle. So... There wasn't a paddle shop there locally, I don't think. So they ended up going to the Mall of America. Dang. Had an Eddie Bauer there. So he ended up getting a Werner uh, paddle from Eddie Bauer for, I don't know, 100 something bucks. Uh, Warrior Expeditions actually paid for it for him. Okay. So then he got that. So he started paddling on a new paddle. He was in love with it. <laughs> we get through uh, Pepin and Eric. Broke his paddle at the end of Pepin. Okay. So we got all the way to the end. There was a camp, a little campsite at the end there. Yep. Uh, uh, sand, whatever. Yeah. Remember exactly where it was, but he broke his paddle right before he got there. So we ended up calling that same guy. Of course, we were further down the river at that point. That same guy, he said, I can't come get you, but uh, my parents are, are close to that area. So I can send them to get you some new paddles and they can bring them down river to you and meet you at XYZ. Okay. I think there was a, maybe it was Hastings. It's Hastings where they had the Eagle uh, Museum conservatory thing. I'm not sure where I that can't keep was. all the names straight right. in these fucking towns. But. Hastings was north though, north yeah. of Pepin. Okay, no, th- this was after Pepin. Um, so he got with his parents, 
we got with Warrior Expedition and said, look, you know, this is the second paddle we've broken. We all need a new paddle because all these paddles are going to break eventually. So yeah. Warrior Expeditions ended up calling Eddie Bauer and said, hey, what kind of paddles do you have? I'd like to buy some. And uh, we actually got different sizes. You know, initially we all had the exact same paddle, the exact same size. And we're all, you know, way different, different heights, heights and everything. Yeah. So they weren't very good paddles to begin with. Uh, they were like fishing paddles. They were 89 bucks or something. Yeah. Cheap, cheap ass paddles. Not what you need to go down the river in. Uh, you know, it's nice for a, a one-hour fishing trip or something, but not to go 2,200 miles down the yeah. river. Um, it's like wearing Skechers, you know, on the Appalachian Trail <laughs> right. instead of a hiking shoe, you know. So she ended up calling, uh, gave him the credit card number, bought three new paddles. They picked them up for us, drove an hour and a half to meet us downriver and, uh, and give us the new paddles. These new paddles they bought us were... On the other side of the scale, they, the, the blades were too big, they were heavier, they weren't carbon fiber, oh. um, so we had heavier paddles and a bigger blade, so there's more resistance, you know, pulling through the water, yeah, especially going into different. headwinds and stuff. Oh, we all man. started having new problems, you know, our shoulders started hurting again, everything yeah. was yeah, all acting up. itself everywhere. Oh, yeah. man, I so can't re- imagine trying to change paddles. Yeah, so reacclimated to that. <sighs> Willie was okay, because he had the one that he bought, yeah. which was a really good paddle. Um... So eventually, I think Harry, we stopped at a Dick's one day. Harry got himself another new paddle. Um, even though he never broke the original one, he didn't like the second one they gave us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted something lighter and, and better, so he got another, a third paddle. I didn't like the paddle. It was killing my shoulders, This new, the new weight and, and the blade size and everything. Yeah. I ended up going to Amazon, buying me a new paddle, had it you know, shipped downriver and, and picked it up. Eric had a uh, paddle company that that he deals with in the Outer Banks up here in North Carolina. Oh, okay. And um, they ended up sponsoring him and, and sent him a new paddle. That's awesome. So we all got new paddles, <laughs> essentially. And, um, At some point, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll show you the, the, the two examples here after we get done. Uh, you can see the difference in, in weight and everything. Yeah. And I ended up buying a um, an angled paddle. For my third paddle. Okay. And I loved it. I mean, yeah. way better I've been, than all I've been, the straight uh, paddles. hesitant on those. I just don't like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I could see it working. Yeah, it was way more better. It was way better ergonomically. I mean, it, it kept your wrist in a better position. My hands felt better. The paddle was half the weight of the, of the new paddle that they had bought us. Yeah. And uh, made all the difference in the world. I mean, I have... Uh, that's one of the things I, I don't know if I would have made it down the river with that second paddle they gave us. Yeah. One of the things with uh, when I was paddling that I noticed... Uh, just the angle of my wrists as I was kind of going, like right. my right wrist, I think from weeks three to six, uh, by like hour six of that day, anytime after hour six, it would start clicking like every other yeah. stroke. I had that same thing. And uh, yeah, it just hurt. Like I didn't have as much power on that stroke. Right. And I, I yeah, can see I that if it, it was angled, it might do better. Yeah. I had it at one point where it felt like it felt like my wrist on this side was actually like separating, like pulling, like my ligaments were just stretched out or something. Yeah. Damaged. And every time I would pull on this side, it felt like it was just almost like separating. Yeah, it's, it's a good weird, thing you're not doing sensation. that thousands of times a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, the angle paddle made a, a world of difference. So, oh, yeah. you know, you can check it out here in, in a minute and we'll see what you think. But That's it was awesome. also over 450 bucks for this paddle as well so it was it was a big expense but 
well worth it. Oh yeah, I mean, because I don't again, think you're I doing it thousands it. of times a day for how many days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The paddle makes all the difference. And that's, that's that's what we said from the get go. You know, when we started breaking these paddles, we're like, who? You know, why would they give us these cheap ass fucking paddles? Yeah. To go 20, right up right up there with the boat, like that's. Miles. That's the piece of gear that needs to the be the boat and the paddle the best. are the two yeah. most important <laughs> yeah. things on the entire trip. You can skimp on whatever else you want, but come on, man, give us a good paddle. Yeah. Um, and I actually threw that paddle away. The very last campsite we stayed at before we hit Burns Point, we stayed at a boat ramp. I can't remember what the name of the boat ramp was. Burdenville. Is it north of that? I have no idea, I got no clue. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> but it was a boat ramp, <laughs> and uh, I, I threw I threw the original paddle away at that boat ramp in the uh, in the trash there. And I wish I would have kept it now that I look back on it, but just so I could have all three of the paddles. Yeah. Especially for the talk I did, the presentation, I I showed them two of the paddles, but I wish I would have had the original yeah, one original. to you know as show and Don't tell. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. And they all broke on the same side too, the exact same paddle, the oh, exact man. same side. So there's like a, a design flaw or something yeah. in that paddle. Yeah. Damn. But, but yeah, it made a huge difference. I mean, that second paddle, the blade was so big, we hit uh, some tailwinds, or not tailwinds, some headwinds. Where the heck were we? We were in a pretty big part of the river. It might have been a lake. Well, it couldn't have been a lake because Pepin was the last one we did, so it wasn't a lake. Um, I don't know, but anyway, I was trying to keep up with Willie with this new paddle because I had broken my my other one, and I just I couldn't keep up with him. I told him I said, Willie, I'm I'm gonna have to stop. I'm gonna have to pull over or something because I I cannot pull. There was so much wind coming at us, so much headwind, and I had so much resistance on these huge blades on this Carlisle paddle that I could not. Uh, I couldn't do it. I mean, couldn't make it the ground. I would I would try and pull, and I just had no strength to get through it. I, I was barely moving. I mean, I was moving. I don't even know if I was going forward really at that, <laughs> oh, at that point. And we were trying to make it to this dam, this lock and dam, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually got to it. But that paddle was horrible. Absolutely stopped. Damn. So anyway, so you you paddled where today, Con? Congaree National Park. Congaree National Park. Yeah, it's right in the middle of smack dab in the middle of uh, South Carolina. Um, small little national park, but uh, went to the visitor center right away. Normally I don't do this, like, but I asked the ranger, or I guess one of the volunteers that was there, like, you know, I've got uh, a few hours here. Want to do a you know two hour hike, two hour paddle, and he brought me to the map and was like, do this one, do this one, and it was this guy that he's probably been you know going through this park for the last. 20, 30 years. Absolutely loves it. Knows it like the back of his hand. And it was great advice. You know, I'd looked up a little bit online of like, oh, maybe I'll go do this. Maybe I'll go do that. Had an idea of what I wanted to do, but you know, the way he explained it and the way he sold it to me was just, it was awesome. So I, I went and did that and had a great time. Hiked about five miles. Um, went through all kinds of you know, old growth forests and stuff. Hiked along the river for a little bit. And then uh, it was a beautiful hike. And I went over and did the paddle, um, got back in the water, did about six miles there. And yeah, it was just incredibly beautiful, the whole place. Yeah. And so, a little hidden gem. So, you went to Arizona first, right? Yep. So, after the river is done, so, yeah, so, so two quick days. Tell me how you got all the way back over here to South Carolina. <laughs> uh, it's been a trip. So, I left uh, Arizona. I was up in Lake Havasu, 
uh, where my parents live. Oh yeah, I haven't been there yet, but I, it's on my list. Yeah, nice place. Uh, big boat town, lots of speed boats that go out on the lake and. Yeah, there's some nice public land down there too. So like RBN, you can stay down there for oh, free yes, I've done for like 14 before. days down there. Yeah. Yep, that's one of the things I love about like west of the Mississippi. There's a lot of the lot, a of, lot stuff of free public land. Like yeah. um, so I actually did did a lot of that with my my truck, um, but I did Arizona to Flagstaff. Had a quick rain day in Flagstaff. Like the second day I was there, uh, the next day after that I hiked Mount Humphreys. Um, went down, did North Rim. Uh, Grand Canyon. Oh, nice. Uh, and then I went up to Zion, Bryce, Capitol Reef, Canyonlands, Arches. Then went up from there to uh, Chalice and the Sawtooths up in Idaho. Then went over to Montana, visited some buddies that were there for work. Uh, they had an airport conference there. And then I went down from Montana to Yellowstone, uh, spent three days in the Tetons. Man. Did a bunch of hiking there. Uh, then I went uh, down through Colorado, um, went to Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park, did some hikes there, that was a lot of fun. Uh, did like four days in um, Colorado Springs, um, thinking of moving there, so checked out some spots and enjoyed the town for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then I flew back to Wisconsin real quick uh, for a couple of days, um, and had a funeral, so uh, when did that. I met with some family, then I flew back to Denver, spent some uh, time with an old coworker there uh, for four days, drove up through South Dakota, went to a concert in Des Moines, uh, went camping for a weekend with uh, a cousin up in Minnesota, spent some time with my brother and his family up in northern Wisconsin, uh, middle of Wisconsin, uh, Madison, went to a Badgers game with some coworkers from Florida. Nice. They flew up, uh, showed them around town, had a good time there. Uh, then I came across uh, the Indiana Dunes National Park on the banks of the Miss uh, Lake Michigan. Um, and then I spent a weekend, three days or so, with an old college buddy um, and her brother in Kalamazoo. We did some drinking there, had some fun. And then uh, went over to just outside Cleveland is Cuyahoga Valley National Park. So did some hiking there, went down from Cuyahoga through uh, Charleston into New River Gorge, which is the newest national park. I think it was this January, it became a national park number 63. Uh, did some hikes there, um, then met up with some family in D.C. area, did Thanksgiving, and now I'm coming back south. Wow. So, yeah, I've been uh, quite a few places in the last couple months here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had seen that when you, you know, when you got off the river, I'm like, God damn, this guy doesn't stop, man. Cause I kept following you on Strava and saw all your hikes and all kind of stuff. And I'm like, damn, this guy just needs to take a break. But yeah, I'll yeah I guess when you're there. 29, you don't take a break. But yeah, I got the uh, next month coming up, um, heading down to Orlando in the next couple of days. Going to stay with some friends there from, uh, from work, uh, hang out. I'm hoping to do starting mid-December uh, through just before Christmas. Uh, like an eight, nine day trip into the Everglades, uh, paddling. It's about 120 miles, the loop down along the coast and then up through, uh, the wilderness, wilderness waterway, something like that. It's called. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I applied for the permit. I'm still waiting to hear back from them on whether it's approved or not. Um, but really looking forward to that trip. Um, so on that trip, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but it sounds like the Everglades, there's not a whole lot of land, right? I mean, where are you going to 
Sweet so fruit. there's uh, three different types of sites that they have. They have a bunch of different like campsites or you know, spots to sleep uh, throughout the park. Uh, there's sites that are on the beach. There's sites that are actually on solid ground, and there's sites that are called chickies, which are essentially just huts that they put in the middle of the water. Okay. Um, so I've got a the the plan that I've mapped out. I think the first four nights I'm going down along the coast, uh, staying on beach sites. Uh, so you really just anywhere along this stretch of beach, you put your tent up, yeah. sleeping bag out, whatever you want to do, and uh, you camp there. And then once you get to kind of that southern tip of the state, uh, it's where they have like the visitor center. Um, there's a couple campgrounds there. Um, it's like the Flamingo Visitor Center or something. Um, and then there's this canal that goes up into kind of the, the heart of the park. And there's this big lake there. It's like Whitewater Lake or something named for when the wind comes through, you know, gets white caps and stuff. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you kind of go up through all the wilderness for the next, you know, four or five days, uh, just either staying in those little chickies or in uh, you know, some of the banks that are a little bit more sturdy. Yeah. So hmm. I think longest so those, day would be like 20 and a half miles. Right. So those little chickies or whatever you call them, you got to reserve those or if it's just open, it's open? Or? Yeah. So what you got to do is if you're heading into like the heart of the park, if you're going to do one of these trips, you got to apply for a, a wilderness permit. And uh, the system online actually is pretty good. Um, you kind of say like, hey, first night I'm going to stay here, next night I'm going to stay here. And it's got all the places where you can sleep kind of laid out. Mm-hmm. And so then it's one of the national park, you know, workers, rangers, whatever, they'll take a look at what your itinerary is and they'll see... You know, what's the distance between each of these spots? Is it an appropriate amount of, uh, you know, distance? Is it short enough? Is this person aware of what they're doing? Uh, and then they'll approve it. And so each kind of each time you select, like, where I'm going to stay, it gives you a number of, like, there's 10 possible spots. Here's how many are filled. Okay. And every time I was clicking on it, it looked like it was open. So yeah. it's, I suppose, if you didn't want to, you know, go by these systems, you could just head in there and sleep wherever you wanted. But if you're doing it by like the actual system, you kind of got to set up a, a reservation or get a permit kind of thing. And uh, it's kind of like two bucks a night plus $17 for the permit. Yeah. So I mean, it's all right. But well, speaking of navigation and stuff, I don't think we've talked about this at all, but I know we talked about how, how far out you would plan and things like that. But how did you navigate the river? Did you have just Google Maps or did you have paper maps or? Um, so through. Minnesota, we used the DNR maps that they had. Those 10 maps were uh, really awesome. Yeah, they're really um, good. I wish the rest of the river had them. Uh, but for the rest of the river, I used Google Maps a lot. Uh, the map on Strava actually was pretty good. So I'd usually have Strava up on my phone. And uh, if I was you know, looking where I was going next, I'd just pull up the, the map feature on Strava and kind of take a look at that. Um, but in order to plan out kind of you know, distances and days and everything like that for more longer term planning, um, on the Facebook page, somebody had posted a KMZ, um, which is a little Google Earth file. So it opened up on Google Earth and it'd have a pin for every mile. And so I'd take a look at, you know, where I'm pulling out this night and where the next pull could be and how many miles that is and kind of mapped it all out and figured out how many miles each of these stops would be. And, and from there, kind of figured out, you know, which stops I was actually going to take. Yeah. So that KMZ was incredibly useful because both for the long-term planning and then even when I was in it, uh, you know, paddling on the river, uh, I could pull up that thing and there'd be a blue dot right where I was. It would let me know, you know how far I am to the next uh, mile marker, all that stuff. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, we had the, uh, the paper maps as well, the 10, you know, uh, DNR yeah, maps no. at the start. And we also had a, a digital copy of that as well. So mm-hmm. I didn't use the paper maps whatsoever. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was on our thwart, you know, on the front of the canoe sitting there, but I didn't look at it. I, I looked at the, I just did, did it on the, yeah. on the phone. Um, I'm just a phone guy, but. Yeah. Um, and then we had a, I'll, I'll show it to you. It's on my phone over here, but. Okay. I'll show you what, what else we used, but it was. We had the we had those DNR maps in Minnesota, and then we had the we had an upper map, we had a lower map. That's um, right. We didn't have a Atchafalaya map or whatever, but yeah, I did start using those the the Army Corps Engineer maps. Yeah, yeah. I used those for the lower miss. Yeah. I didn't have those for the upper. Yeah. Is that how you guys found uh, spots to camp in the upper, from like Minneapolis to St. Louis? Um, mainly it was just. Uh, Google satellite. I mean, we would just pull up and look for sandbars. I mean, okay. We just pulled up and just, you know, zoomed in and looked. We knew how far down we wanted to go, you know, 30 miles or whatever, and we just, uh, we would count uh, 30 miles on the other map that we had. It was the same way. It had all the miles were a dot or whatever, yep. a black dot. So we would do... Maybe about um, six miles to a sheet. Yeah. Yeah. So we would, uh, you know, just map out where 30 miles was going to be, what, what town it was near, and we'd pull up the satellite on Google Maps and just zoom in and try to figure out what side of the river we were going to be on and yeah. where there was a possible sandbar and or boat ramp or whatever but mm-hmm. well, yeah it was basically just looking for sand on the satellite so it one of the things, pretty well one of the things that was wild for me is uh i didn't i mean growing up in wisconsin i'm not really used to like tides or rivers changing height or anything um but once i got on the lower mississippi uh, i think the first night i was out there uh, I ran into a guy that was jet skiing down the river, at least a portion of it, and uh, he was talking to me about how he just gotten, uh, just left a marina where they told him the river was on the rise, and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know that rivers were like moving this much, um, but once you get south of that last lock and dam, it's at the whims of whatever flows coming from the north, Yeah. and uh, he was like, yeah, it's, it's going to be coming up the next couple of days, and I was like, okay, I'd, I'll pull my kayak you know, another couple of feet. And uh, woke up the next morning, and the waves were lapping the like the bottom of my kayak, and I was like, "Holy crap! I'm so glad I moved that thing up." Yeah, you got um, lucky. But <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, when I got on the lower mist, the first two days, first two or three days, I think it was on the rise. After that, it was it was falling the entire time. Yeah. Um, how about how did it go for you guys? Like, I know you had the one day but right was um, it on the rise was it yeah it was on the rise at that point yeah so that that particular day it rose 1.7 feet um and we had no clue we weren't even paying attention to the the rising and falling of the river we just you know we got to a campsite we saw Hold we'd up. see the the water line you know <laughs> where, where the that? waves were yeah. coming up and we pulled up a, a couple of feet past that you know uh-huh. and um this particular night we were on a beach that was as slight as this ground right here uh. so there was no elevation um going up so when that water raised, you know, a foot and a half, it, it took over 14 feet of, <laughs> feet of the beach. So it just was a poor choice of beach, and it was just, we should have been paying attention. And after, you know, from that day forward, of course, we, we found a website where we... Check the river gauges uh, yeah, and everything. The NO something. NOAA, yeah. Yeah. We would, uh, we, we were really on top of the water <laughs> oh, at man. that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it continued to rise um, for a good five days after that day i think and okay. then it started going back down again and you know like you said it's just depending on the weather up north you know whether how, how much water coming. they let out and uh but it's just amazing to me i mean 1.7 feet you know at the portion we were we were 
close to um god why can't i remember any freaking names anymore? <laughs> uh we were on the tennessee side of the river arkansas was on the other side what was that town on the other side but anyway it was a pretty decent size you know width of the river right there yeah. but just uh, i just can't imagine how much water it takes to, thing to raise that foot. level a foot and a half yeah how many That's wild. millions <laughs> and bazillions of gallons of water that it takes to go a, a foot and a half? Yeah, overnight. Overnight, <laughs> yeah. Man, that's insane. It is insane. You know, and we talked about you know learning how to paddle with a new paddle. How you know you change in boats, but I can't imagine what Harry went through. You know, we were fifteen hundred miles into this trip. Completely new boat, new paddle, new flotation device. I mean, everything oh. was new to, to yeah. relearn that entire that boat. That late in the game. That late in the game, yeah. Had to suck. <laughs> and he, he almost quit. I mean, it was two times after that, after, after he got that boat, that um, he had texted us, you know, back in the back and said, when we get to this campsite, I think I'm, I think I'm done tomorrow. I think I'm, I'm not paddling anymore. Because he was having all kind of new pains and oh, issues yeah. and stuff. and. We actually had to make a stop after Memphis, um, an unexpected stop, about 30 miles down, uh, and had, luckily this guy was in construction actually, that we stopped, um, a guy named Brian. He let us use his camping cabin, or his hunting cabin, not camping cabin, hunting cabin, but uh, luckily he was in construction, so we pulled up, he had every tool you could imagine in the back of his truck, and <laughs> we actually awesome. did some modifications to the, to the canoe to, to make it more comfortable so he could continue to paddle. Uh, and then a little bit further down from that, after we adjusted his foot pedals and made some modifications to the boat and stuff, his uh, seat broke. Oh my gosh! So he's he's like, I'm done. I can't paddle. This you know, every time he paddles, his seat's just you know moving all Rocking. over the place, yeah. and he couldn't get any stability. Couldn't get any foot foot pressure, you know, to help him oh propel. Oh my gosh! So we had to. Eric and I were we were a good five six miles behind him at that point. We were like, God damn it, this guy—he's not quitting. We're not, not, yeah, not letting we're him not quit. Going to quit. So we had—we <clears throat> were talking to ourselves on the way down. We're like, Okay, Eric, <coughs> or Eric would say to me, Brian, Okay, we got uh, we got paracord, we've got uh, duct tape, we've got uh, this and that. We actually even what can we do? Yeah, we actually even pulled a piece of a plank of wood out of the water that has some nails in it, <laughs> okay. just in case we could use a couple of the nails. nails or something. So we get up to the beach and we're like. <laughs> Harry, we're not giving up on you, man. We've got, it's like Apollo 13 or whatever. We've got all these tools. We can make this thing work. We're yes. going to fix this thing. And we did. We ended up using my yoga mat and a couple other, uh, another plank of wood that he had in his boat um, that the other guy had given him. Yep. Said, here's an extra plank just in case you might need to make some more modifications. And we ended up making it work. We ended up fixing a seat to where it wouldn't move. And he ended up paddling the rest That's of the way down. Awesome. We had some struggles, man, a couple of times. <laughs> and uh, for, for Harry to get to the end was was amazing after everything that had happened. But. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, kind of stuck with me through the river is I was also reading uh, for the first half of the river, I was reading uh, McConaughey's book, Green Lights. And I had it on audiobook. Yes. I listened to it on the river as well. And one of the things he talked about was, uh, you know, it's persist. Uh, what is this part of three things I, I kind of uh, made my own of adapt or overcome yeah it was uh, persist pivot or concede yeah and it's just like you're either gonna you know, keep going with whatever you got you're gonna figure out a way to 
make it through or you're going to throw up the white flag. Yeah. And it's just, you know, when you're determined to do something, you're just going to find a way. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that you guys were just committed, like, he's going to do this. We can't let him Oh, quit. yeah, we weren't letting him quit at that point. We were way <laughs> Again, too far into the game. You're so far into it. <laughs> yeah, and you, he had just bought this boat and recommitted because he was done in Memphis. He was going to quit. And um, no. he ended up calling his mom because he thought it was maybe a sign, you know, from God or whoever you believe in or whatever you believe in that that he needed to get off the river and be with his mother because, like I said, his mother you know, had some health issues or what have you. So he took it as a sign and said, well, this just means I need to get off the river and go yeah. be with my mother. Um, he ended up calling his mom and I think some other family members. They had a, um, a conference call that day to talk about his mother, I think. Um, so it wasn't about the trip at all. The, the boat thing kind of happened at the same time that he was already supposed to have this conference call with his family to, to, to start making some plans possibly for uh, something that might happen with his mother. But So when he got on the phone, everybody encouraged him and said, don't you dare quit, don't you dare get off the river. You know, even his mother was like, you better finish this goddamn thing. <laughs> um, so that kind of re-inspired him and, and re-motivated him. And That's he decided awesome. to buy a boat. And then we, the, the next day we stayed, you know, a day in, in Memphis um, to get the boat. And he could not find a boat to save his life. And at the, at the very last hour or whatever, ended up finding something doable yep. at, at the Bass Pro Shop there in Memphis. And uh, got back on the river. So That's awesome. I'm glad he was able to finish. Yeah, me too. It was uh, it was awesome to finish together. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just oh man, I can't imagine because that boat was totally different than the boat that we started. Yeah. With. Yeah. <laughs> I think on all the gear that you'd been using for 1,500 miles. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Besides, I guess the tent. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, luckily, you know, he had pulled enough of his personal belongings up. Um, I think he lost a couple things in the boat that he yeah. didn't really want to lose. I mean, you don't want to lose any of it. But, right. But, yeah, at least he had his cooler with all his food in it, and he had his water bladder, and he had his, you know, tent and all the uh, personal items, um, wallet, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. But, so, so you almost had yours wash out. I mean, it was... Definitely at the cusp of being it was closer, out. closer than I wanted it to be. Yeah. So, any other incidents? I mean, did you capsize at all? Did you take on water? Did you, did you uh, fall in? There was the the one time I took on water, never capsized. Uh, after that, I, would, I always made sure I you know, brought my boat up plenty far enough. Um, but no major equipment only, mishap, mishaps or falling in the water or no. Uh, the only other scary thing I had that kind of happened was uh, on the Atchafalaya. I don't know if it was quicksand or what it was, uh, but Willie I, mentioned something about quicksand. Yeah, that's that's the thing is like I didn't think about it as quicksand until Willie said like I hate quicksand and I was like maybe that's what I was in. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's really no banks in the Atchafly to like pull off and use the bathroom oh, or go get your food in the the back of your, uh, your kayak or anything. Uh, so I found this like six foot stretch of what looked like sand. And I tried it, and there was this barge that was coming up the river, one of like the four barges that I saw in the Atchafalaya the entire time I was going down it. Yeah, I think we saw like two. And it was just like the worst timing of, I shouldn't have stopped there. Uh, I should have found something else. Um, but I pulled off, and I you know, go to step out on this, what I thought was sand, and I'm up to my knees in muck, 
and then the boat comes and I just it boats uh, you know sending waves and it's filling up my kayak <laughs> so I had to build that thing out while I'm knee deep in muck yeah. like I can't move because it's just going to sink deeper so that was a little precarious situation of like I need to be off of this little spot of muck as quick as possible but I needed to pee I needed to get some water refilled I needed to get some food in me because it was midday I was getting hungry um, and again it was just this boat came up at the wrong time and oh man I was in a bad mood after that yeah but and you still had your dad with you you said right that the, the, on the actual fly too I mean, yeah I mean there wasn't really not a whole lot of places right I mean, on the actual fly yeah road access it was to get there. Uh, we pulled out in it was six miles onto the Atchafalaya uh, Simsport. We pulled out there and we drove uh, half an hour west and stayed in a hotel. And then I went down the river another know, 30 miles or so uh, to Crot Springs. There was a campground that was right there on the river. Um, it wasn't a great campground. Um, it was so humid out at that point. I don't do well with humidity. Um, to the point where I was like just sweating standing outside. The mosquitoes were terrible. I ended up sleeping in with in the uh, cab of the truck, but it's just like my head on the dashboard for like three hours that night, yeah. and I just got terrible sleep. And then the next day, because there was nothing from Crot Springs down, like I didn't know about the sandbar at I-10 uh, until I talked to the guy that I met at the bottom of the river. Um, I didn't know that was there. Like I didn't see it as I paddled past. I was more looking at the bridge. Yeah. Um, so I went. I mean, it was a small little spit of land, but it was it was doable. enough for yeah, put a tent. Yeah. Um, I ended up putting I don't know how many miles it was. It was fifty some miles, and I paddled you know an hour past sunset, uh, knowing it was just gonna be a shit day. Uh, I went from Crot Springs all the way down to uh, a boat ramp called Verdonville Landing, uh, just off Yellow Bayou, and uh, that last hour, dude, mosquitoes were just attacking my hands. They were getting all over me. Um, on the water. On the water. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of rough, but uh, he pulled me out there and then we drove down to, uh, Burns Point. I slept in the truck or slept in the cab there again. Um, just because it, I don't know, I was just so like ready to be done, um, at that point. Yeah. I mean, that last, I don't know, couple hundred miles just really sucked to me. I mean, yeah. They were the worst of the entire trip. <laughs> yeah. And part of it's just wanting to be done, right? right. But, but part of it was, you know, once we hit the Atchafalaya, it seemed like, like you said, the mugginess, right? The humidity just... Sat there. You hit that swamp and it was... It didn't look like a swamp, but it had swamp features to it. Like the humidity, yeah. the bugs. You know, we had seen maybe a handful of days of, of shitty bugs on the rest of the entire river. Yep. Maybe, you know, some flies here and there. Northern um, Minnesota's flies for me. Yeah, the flies, you know, were biting through my gloves and had big welts <laughs> on my hands and stuff. And Harry was counting uh, fl- fly kills at one point. I mean, we, we all had a fly swatter with us. So he yeah. was, we'd get to the to lunch or whatever, and he'd be like, ah, 10 more flies down. <laughs> yeah, like a notches on his canoe, you know. <clears throat> but, yeah, we didn't have any problems with bugs, really, because of the low water, I guess. And, yeah. And just temperatures and stuff. Not a whole lot of rain. But as soon as we hit that swamp, man, it was like all the mosquitoes that we had missed the entire rest of the trip were, making were on that fucking swamp. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the very first night, you know, we pulled through the lock and we went about two miles up on the on the left. Okay. was um, the first place we camped on the Atchafalaya. It was gotcha. just a little sandbar there. And um, 
that night, you know, at uh, dusk or whatever, and then the next morning, really bad mosquitoes. And then we got to, we ended up going to the Edgefly Dreaming, and we had about 106 miles from there, I think, to yep. the end. I think right. And um, Harry had found a, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, a hunting cabin, I guess, on the side of the river. So okay. he had gotten there first. He pulled up off the river, knocked on the door. Nobody answered the door. So we decided we're just going to camp in, the, in his backyard of this guy's uh, hunting cabin. That next morning, we woke up, and, I, and I've posted a video out there of, of the mosquitoes in the tent or outside, the, you know, underneath the fly, outside Covered. the tent that night that Eric took, actually. He took that video. We got up that next morning. We would normally get up around 6 and try and get on the water by 7. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was still dark at that point. Um, we got up. I swear, if you did like this with your arms, it was like hitting a wall oh of mosquitoes. God. I mean, there were so many mosquitoes. They were the biggest mosquitoes I've ever seen. And I thought the mosquitoes were huge in Alaska. Um, <laughs> I mean, they call it the state bird up there uh, in Alaska. But... There was so, oh my God, I cannot even fathom how many mosquitoes. I've never experienced so many mosquitoes in my entire life. God, and so I'm old, dude. I've been around for a long time. <laughs> and I've been in the South. I've been in, around a lot of mosquitoes. But So they were attacking us. I put on three different sprays that I had. I, I had one spray that was 100% DEET. Uh, my other spray was whatever the other stuff. It starts with a P, I think. The other thing that you use instead of deep, is, okay. I can't remember what the name of it was. <laughs> I sprayed that on, and I had you know long sleeves on and yeah. long pants, but I'm still just getting attacked. And then I had some other off, like OFF, you know, the off brand yeah, yeah. Um, with aloe and chamomile or something. <laughs> I, I had three different sprays on. Didn't phase them at all. Oh I mean, God. didn't not bother them once. I mean, I'm spraying it right on the mosquitoes. <laughs> they don't even care. So Harry, Harry and I are having a hard time. Eric's over here. He's got his bug net on. He's got his hat on on top of that. He's put his rain jacket on over the top of his clothing. He's got this little scarf thing that he keeps with him that he wrapped around his lower body. So he's like double barriered, you know, <laughs> clothing-wise. So he's doing okay. He even pulled, put his gloves on. Yep. He's he's good to go. Harry and I don't have all that stuff. My rain jacket was in the in the canoe, you know, out, out, out in the water. Uh, my head net was out in the canoe. Everything was out in the canoe. So... Harry and I finally looked at each other and said, we're getting the fuck out of here, man. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're packing up as quickly as possible. I mean, we did like a, a marathon um, sprint, I guess you could say, tent tearing down. I mean, it's the quickest <laughs> we'd ever packed up everything. <clears throat> we packed it up. We had a like a three-level um, little mud bank that we had to go down to get to the water. Uh -huh. Our canoes were actually tied up, actually floating in the water. We couldn't even pull them up onto any oh, land dang. at this point. So we had them pulled up. We had them all tied together with our uh, cable locks. And then Eric had his boat tied up to a tree, tree. with a carabiner and, you know, a rope and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So they're all just sitting there just kind of lapping in the water. <laughs> Harry and I get down there, load all our stuff in as quickly as we can. Um, all I had to do was undo my um, lock. cable lock to, to get away from Eric's boat. Somehow Harry and Eric's were tied together or something. So Harry untied. Uh, the rope and then retied Eric's boat up 
because Eric was still at the campsite. I don't even think he, well, I know now, he didn't even know we were leaving. <laughs> he didn't know our plan was to get the fuck out of there. We, we just wanted to get out in the water. <clears throat> so we both get in our boats. We paddle out into the middle of the water, <clears throat> even go down just a little bit. The mosquitoes stayed with us, and they're oh. in our boat. I mean, they're Cloud. underneath the bow, you know, in the hall, and oh. just all around, chewing up, chewing up the ankles. They were all over the back of my gloves, wow. you know, just killing me. So we still didn't even get away from them out in the middle of the water. We're sitting out there. We didn't see Eric for a little while. <clears throat> Finally, Harry said, or I told Harry, I said, I'm going to go ahead and start paddling, man, because my hands, my feet, everything is on fire right now. I'm yeah. screaming. I've got to start paddling and get away from these mosquitoes and try and get my mind off of this. Yeah. Because I was Losing on it. fire with, <laughs> with the histamine response, you know. So I start paddling down. And Harry says, fuck it, I'm going to start paddling too. So we start paddling. Harry gets up way ahead of me. I'm by myself for about two hours. I finally found a place to pull off where I could pee. I couldn't find any shoreline right? to pull off anywhere. Impossible. So I finally pull off, hit the shoreline. I'm sitting there on the, on the bow of my boat. I'm kind of eating a snack, I guess, at that point. Eric comes pulling up. He, he pulls up. He beaches out where I'm beached out. <clears throat> and he says, hey, what's up, buddy fucker? And I said, what are you, what are you talking about, man? He said, you're a buddy fucker. You and Harry are buddy fuckers. And I'm like, what I don't even, what does what do that mean? even mean? I don't even know what you're talking about. He's like, well. Y'all guys abandoned me. I just had to swim about 50 yards to go get my to go get my canoe. No way. And I said, I got nothing to do with that. I said, Talk we just, Harry. Yeah, we just left. He's like, well, somebody untied my boat and it's, it was floating down the goddamn Mississippi River or down the Atchafalaya Swamp or whatever. Oh, my God. And I said, dude. I didn't touch your boat, man. I, said, I undid my cable. I pulled off. I said, we were trying to get away from the mosquitoes. And he's like, fuck the mosquitoes, man. You guys are a bunch of pussies. If you would have just put on your stuff, you know, the mosquitoes didn't bother me one bit. And I said, well, Harry, I mean, Eric, all our stuff was in our boats, man. We didn't have the stuff. We had to get out of there. Well, y'all are buddy fuckers, man. I just had to take a swim. And I said, I didn't do anything to your boat. Talk to Harry. He's, he had, <laughs> he messed with your boat. He's like that makes a lot of sense because he's a fucking marine and marines <laughs> marines don't know how to marines don't know how to tie a knot or something like that. So I was like, dude, don't get mad at me. He's, awesome. he's, he's like, okay, you're only a half a buddy fucker. And I said, no, I'm not a buddy fucker at all, dude. Oh, he's, he he called me a buddy fucker just because I left him. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, apparently Harry didn't tie the knot correctly on on the rope, so you know the waves just kind of squirreled it loose and it started floating down the river. Oh, and that's not the river you want to swim. No, through. that's where all the alligators and shit are. Yeah, right? and it's not clean either. It's, that's a muddy river. Yeah. So he was not oh, a happy camper, man. And that was, uh, I think, the second time he had to swim because early on in the trip, uh, I don't know, this might have been three or four days in, I think, but oh, he. God. He all of a sudden had to, he had to go to the bathroom. Yep. You know, his stomach started rumbling. He's like, oh, shit, I'm going to shit my pants. So he pulled off the, the river, didn't pull his canoe up far enough. You know, this was early on, didn't yep. realize. Yep. Uh, went to the tree line to take a shit or whatever, came back, and his boat was floating <laughs> down the river. So, But luckily at that point, the there wasn't so a lot low, of flow yeah. going on. Yeah. It is so low, yeah. So he, he had to swim twice uh, oh, to get man. his boat. <laughs> Harry fell in the very first day, fell out of his boat. Oh, geez. Uh, on that first three miles that we okay. were doing. Fell out of his boat um, on day one. Um, I never fell out. I took took in a lot of water, but never fell out. Yeah. Um, I don't think Willie ever fell out. He took on a lot of water as well. Yep. But, he was telling me that you guys had to stop like every hour to pump out? Um, 
Just because, like, I don't know if it was every hour, but every every couple of hours, yeah, we had to bail. We had to bail boats because, yeah, with the proper what Willie calls PPF, proper paddling for him, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which he learned from Eric. Um, Yeah, so you're in the boat and you you go, you know, forward paddle stroke. So you're coming like this, and then you're coming like this. Yep. So your oar is over your boat. Your boat dripping water. Yeah, over the front of your boat and and. It's amazing yeah. how much water drips off of that damn paddle into your boat. And, you know, <laughs> oh, in, if we would have had a skirt, of course, yeah, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But yeah, two hours worth. I mean, you'd have water this deep in the back of the canoe, and, and probably about this much of the back of it. You know, going into the to the point into the back. Wow. And uh, yeah, they they all three had bilge pumps. You know, hand powered yep. bilge pumps. But <clears throat> I had one of those. Yeah, we had those rubber boots for the for the mud or whatever okay. mud boots. I just used that boot. I just, <laughs> just threw right in the boot. boot. That's awesome. Yeah. And of course, we had sponges. You know. Yeah. Well, he said those things deteriorated right away. The original ones, yeah. Okay. Um, we we bought uh, some new synthetic ones, and they lasted, you know, the rest of the trip. But yeah, the initial ones they gave us, I don't know what kind of sponges they bought, but yeah, they just disintegrated. Oh man, they were horrible. <laughs> So what was your favorite uh, camp spot along the river? I know you took a lot of like great sunrise pictures. I'm actually really jealous of that. I didn't get as, as many good sunrises as you did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's a first for me because I'm not a morning person whatsoever. <laughs> so for me to get up and even see the sunrise <laughs> is, is a chore. But you had to do what you had to do out there. Yeah. You wanted to get on the river early so you didn't, didn't mess with those, you know, um, thermal winds and all that kind of stuff that come up in the midday. Yep. Um, so favorite campsite, is that the question? Yeah. Nobody's asked me that question before. Favorite campsite. Oh, there's so many of them, really. I mean, I think the favorites became uh, the sandbars down on the lower river for right. sure. Um, I can't really think of one favorite spot to be honest with you all right i would just say the sandbars yeah. and i'm not talking i didn't like the sand that we we stayed on a few times where you couldn't even get your stakes in the ground i mean the sand was just so fluffy and and thick that um it was hard to even uh, get your stuff set up but i'm talking about the sa- the lower sandbars where it was kind of packed sand but it was still a beach yep you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um a little more manageable yeah but i can't i can't really say what was my favorite I don't know do you have a favorite uh, I got a couple that come to mind there's a so just south of south, right around New Madrid uh, Missouri um, it was called Island Number 8 and uh, I had been sleeping on the Illinois side at that point so sun was setting and hitting my shore when I was going to, to sleep. Yeah. But it was so hot. I, I don't do well with heat and humidity. Uh, it was so hot, like, into the night. Like, an hour after sunset, it's still, you know, 70, 80 degrees, whatever it was. I was sweating, just laying there, just, like, waiting to stop sweating so I could fall asleep. Yeah. So I finally wanted to sleep on the other side of the the Missouri side of the river. And Island 8 was, like, the first time I could do that. And it was this huge sandbank that went up maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 feet. And I, you know dragged my tent and all my shit up, up to the top of that uh, sandbank and it was on the 
it's one of those uh, swoops of the cur- or of the river where it like kind of turned almost 180 degrees over 180 degrees yeah and uh, so the river was just kind of twisting around this curve and Island 8 was right at the end of that curve and uh, so it was like it would kick up these whirlpools throughout the night and it just made this sound of like the sucking water and it was I don't know, just the sound of the river how high up the the site like the, my tent was on the river I could actually see some like elevation and like look down on it a little bit because yeah. that's one thing that like, I missed I love elevation I love mountains I love getting up and seeing a view you didn't really get that when you were two feet off the water mm-hmm. for 60 days um, so I loved that part of the campsite um, I think that same night there was a plane that like came down was like 40 feet off the water just like flying over the river that's pretty cool wow. um, but I loved that that campsite it was like I said it was awesome to just be up a little bit off the water you know height wise to kind of see the the river be wild around this curve that was pretty cool uh, my other favorite one was uh, it was called the Cadia Point uh, just into Louisiana um, so we just finished up Arkansas uh, paddled in and it was this portion of the river it kind of came around was turning left and there was two islands that kind of bordered the channel and I stayed on the uh, the island that watched sunset so I was on the eastern shore or whatever yeah. um, and I got to watch sunset go down it was a pretty steep bank um, but it was just like a beautiful spot to, to post up there was boats that came by that was one of the things that I like I loved about the river is like in the middle of the night you could just see these boats passing and there's just you know, a couple lights here and there and the uh, you know the tug at the back it's pushing it all yeah that's what I liked about the lower so river too that um, you'd be staying on the sandbar and I mean you know the fucking 40 feet away. barge would come by you know as close as this RV to us right here yeah just right there just pass right by. by did you ever have any bows honk at you um not while I was sleeping but while I was paddling yeah really yep we never did have that many we had I, I can count on one hand I think the amount of time and we would even you know be doing this when they'd be going by <laughs> trying to get him to honk and every now and then one would honk but it was very rare yeah. I mean, we tried to get him to honk all the time yeah I never tried we'd to yell get him at him you know show us your tits or whatever and just <laughs> all kind of stuff we'd yell at him and nobody paid attention to us at all oh man and we tried we pretty much I think I waved at every single bars that went by really yeah that's awesome yeah and then I, I bought that horn at one point that bike horn um it's actually in the back of my truck. I carry it around with me. But, you know, I would honk at them when they went by, and I was trying to get anything I could do to get their attention to try and do something. But, but yeah, I love being on a beach and, and the boat's just right there, coming right by. I mean, yeah. You almost felt like you could touch them. And then in the middle of the night, you know, you'd wake up to go out to, to pee or whatever, and you'd see one coming down, and this giant-ass spotlight just... Yeah. Lighting the up the shore. <laughs> Every now and then they'd come over and, and hit, hit, you. hit your tent or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's this guy doing over here? Oh, there's a couple times, too, where uh, there'd be some storms that were, like, across the river on the other side, just, like, rolling through. And it's just this light show yeah. that came up. And, dude, again, it's so dark out there. There's no light pollution, especially on the lower mess. Yeah. There's no cities that are near the river. Like, you're just mm-hmm. in the middle of wilderness. You could see everything. Yeah. Oh, it was, and then again, you got the sound of the river, 
there with you too. It yeah. was some of the f- best camping I've ever done. Oh yeah, on those sandbars sure. in the middle of the river. Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I'd never camped until I did this trip. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah you're spoiled man. It was a bunch of new stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I had never camped. I think I'd been in a tent, you know, like in a backyard or something. Yeah, but yeah. I'd never camped anywhere before. I mean, I'd done this, you know, before I did the river. I was RVing, but it was pretty much in a house, really. Man, good times. Hell yeah. I miss it, dude. I mean, it's, it's only been a month and a half, but um, there's days I still wish I was out there, for sure. Yeah, about a month ago. I was passing over a river, like some body of water or something. I was just like, dude, I need to get back out there. Yeah. I was feeling it again. Like, and again, today, getting on the river for the first time since since the Mississippi, man, it was, it was like riding a bike. Yeah. Hmm. There's something about like hitting that pace and the rhythm of it. Yeah. It's different than hiking. Yeah. And I think one of the things that like hit me about it, it was... There's a bigger zen factor to it, I think. Yeah, there is. It's, I don't know, like the, to me, the trail is, I don't know if it was just because I spent too much time by myself out there, but like I started to like personify my boat. I started to personify the river. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm hiking, like I never get that. The trail is always just like this inanimate object. It's the trail. It's what I'm walking on. But when I'm paddling, like the, the river's more of a person, has more of a, personality more of a character because you're more involved with it dude i mean every time you put your paddle on the water what angle you put it in at how fast you pull it uh all this stuff you interact so much more with the water than you do with the trail yeah and uh i think that's one of the things that i like i miss about that type of travel or that type of exercise it's how involved you are with the water yeah i like it oh it's awesome man it's like i said you don't get that with hiking no, you don't, for sure. I mean, I did, you know, I used to do a lot of trail running when I, you know, it was ultra marathoning and stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of them are off, off road on trails. And um, I kind of got that with, with ultra running, you know, when you're out there all by yourself. Because a lot of the ultra marathons that you do, it might be a handful of people. You know, uh, the very first one I did, a 50 miler, was only 12 of us. I mean, it's not, it's not like a marathon where there's 10,000 people, you know. Very few people are out there running a 50-mile race. Yeah. And um, you start off together, but eventually you all just separate. So you're on your own most of the trail. Uh, matter of fact, the 50-miler that I did, I was—I never saw another person after the start of the race. Wow. Um, the very, very first ultramarathon I did. But what I was getting at is I feel like when you're by yourself on a trail like that, you definitely – and you're running – you get the cadence, you know, the fall of your foot, and you get your footsteps, and, and you you got no noise pollution going on out there either. So I, I did feel like I got in tune or in touch with the trail or, or with nature and just the footfalls and the, the breathing. And, I mean, you just yeah. kind of get in tune with everything that's going on, and yeah. uh, you kind of fall into that same rhythm as as you as I did on the Mississippi River. But in a marathon, not so much. I mean, you got so much noise going on, and you're hearing everybody else's footfalls and footsteps and breathing and people are blaring music sometimes without headphones and you got traffic cars you know yeah. on certain marathons so but the ultra marathon running was very very much like the river i think where, oh, yeah. where you're you're one with the trail you're one with with the nature and 
That's awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Hmm. Well, that's about it. What do you think? Sounds good. An hour and 30 minutes worth? <laughs> Is that good enough? Yeah. I think we've talked about it all. <laughs> A lot of it. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to say goodbye to this guy. See you guys later. Appreciate, Appreciate you it. listening, watching, what have you. Sorry the first 30 minutes was, <laughs> <laughs> was not very nice to look at, but, you know, what can you do? All right. Talk to you later, guys.